I want you all to welcome our founding pastor, Alan Allen. He is wrapping up our series, The Rhythms of Grace. He has been faithfully leading and serving in the life of this church since 1999. I think that deserves a big round of applause. Well, let me just tell you, if you don't know this already, this is my favorite place in the world to preach. It really is. I, I get to travel some, uh, but I tell you, there's nothing more pleasurable for me than to prepare and deliver and engage and invite you to explore the invitation of God in your life on a regular basis. And I want to do that one more time today. Oh, wait, wait. This isn't the last time, I hope. Another time I want to engage with you today. Uh, in preparation for today, uh, we're talking about the rhythm of grace and invitation to community. Um, Kurt, several weeks ago, in our team and in our preparation, tossed out the idea that Romans 12 would be a, a wonderful place to launch this conversation about invitation into community. And I can't tell you why, but internally I resisted it. It's like, nah, I don't know. I want to do something else. I don't know. And, and, and so as time got closer and closer and closer, an interesting thing in, occurred inside of me. My, my resistance turned into curiosity. So I thought, well, I'll just go back and read the text again and see if it's not really, you know, if there's something there to, to dig out. And I just want to tell you, if you get anything close to any measure of what I've received in preparing for this today, I'm going to be really, really happy because this has been so exciting for me personally. And uh, so let's just stop that and move into a, a, uh, an introduction. Uh, the book of Romans is, is a, a, a weighty theological treatise. Paul tackles all kinds of heavy theological issues. Additionally, he's talking to people who are uh, multi-ethnic. He's talking to people from the nations of the earth. He's talking to people in diversity, ages and stages of life, multi-generational engagements. And interestingly enough, he's doing it in the context of a thriving metropolitan city, Rome. Does that sound familiar to our days and times? Uh, you just heard from Emma about the diverse city that we live in and the grace of God that has come to us that should flow through us to others. Paul's message to these Romans, uh, Jew and Gentile, uh, Gentile covers everybody, right? It's all of us who aren't Jews. Um, he invites this group of people, the curious and the committed. You have to understand that, the curious and the committed. He invites them to learn to live in grace. Now, if you know anything about the book of Romans, you could say, hmm, no, yeah, he invites them to live in grace. 
And his invitation is not just to live in grace, but to experience the transforming power of the resurrected Christ in powerful and personal ways. And in community. What he's talking to us about is a shared way of living. Now, in the midst of the text that I'm looking at today, uh, not only does he invite, this, invite us to this rhythm of grace and this invitation of shared life in personal and communal ways, he also is very clear to us about the challenges of living this life of humility and obedience. His primary identification is simply this, don't be conformed to the world in which you live, right? Basically says, swim upstream, don't float. He says, don't be conformed to the ways and patterns of this world. Now, just let your mind run. What are the ways and the patterns of this world? The cultural water that we're so familiar with, unless we practice a pause and an examine, we don't even recognize. Right? It's just the world that we live in. And he says, Paul, he says, don't let that be your unexamined existence in this world. Now, I could run a million different directions with regard to what it could mean to be conformed to this world. Can I just share two with you that I think are essential? Like, they're big, really big rocks in my understanding. So, you may not feel this way, and you, your opinion is valid. So, whatever you think is really purposeful and meaningful in this area, pay attention to that and maybe do your own study. But there are two things that stood out in my mind with regard to to what it may look like to be conformed to this world. And I just want to say to you, the first one that comes to my mind is individualism. Individualism. Uh, Individualism uh, prioritizes independence, self-reliance, self-sufficiency, privacy, The identification of uniqueness. What makes me different from everybody else? And one of the challenges in that is that if we're not careful, individualism isolates us. Yeah? Isolates us separates us, builds walls between us, because if I'm not like you, you might not like me. If you're not like me, I might not like you, and I might not be very interested in creating much space for us to get together. So individualism, it's, it's, the, it's the observation of uh, Alex de Tocqueville, Alexis de Tocqueville, that, that's his, that, that is his observation about America. And what he says about it is he says, that's one of the really, really good things. Can I just pause a second? A few weeks ago, uh, I preached on finding rest. 
Ruth Haley Barton, in her book, Silence and Solitude, uh, tells us that rest is a real gift to us. And she says it needs to address our fatigue, our tiredness. And if you remember, she suggested that being tired, being tired in and of itself, has both a good and dangerous component, right? Good and satisfaction. I, I, feel, I feel wonderful. I feel satisfied. And, and so I can take a rest and be refreshed for the days ahead. The dangerous is when you can't ever step off the hamster wheel, right? You just keep going. Can I remind you you're not the Energizer Bunny? You're not. You may want to be, but you are not. Unplug. Get your rest. If you don't, you're stepping toward the dangerous tired that she likens to tornadic activity in this world. It will be a tornado in your life as well. The second thing that I see, and uh, this is interesting because this word was coined a um, mm, really long time ago, 2019, by a guy named Derek Thompson, who is a, an American journalist writing for the Atlanta uh, magazine, the Atlantic magazine. And he unwraps this word called workism. Workism. Anybody heard that one? You, you know that one? Whoa, whoa, whoa. You, wait, wait. Come on now. Oh, I see one hand. It, anybody heard, heard that word before? You don't know the word maybe, but you know the experience. I'm going to tell you about it, and you're going to say, oh, that's what that is. Uh, workism. Workism is the belief that employment is not only necessary for economic production, listen, but is also the centerpiece of one's identity and life purpose. It's describing yourself with another ism. Capitalism and workism combined makes your description of self to others. Who I am is what I have and what I do. It's my identity. See, those are, those are some pushbacks to the world in which we live in and the waters in which we swim. And one more time, I remind you, good and tired and dangerous and tired are two different things and these two things, along with all the other things that you thought, are possible, possible examples of being compromised by the world in which we live. And Paul says, don't go that direction. So I want to talk to you about a flourishing life and how we live into that. Here at the Vineyard, we talk about a flourishing life, a life of transformation. And when we do so, we're talking about our life with God, our life with others, and our life on mission with God. In each of these, we find that there is a personal and communal engagement that's necessary. It's not either or. It's both. Both 
create for us a shared life. A shared life. My hope today is that you will experience the invitation of the Spirit to be formed and renewed in this life by the transformation of your mind. And so... Let's dig in. Here's an early example from Romans, Paul's invitation. Romans 5, he says the reason we should have a transformed mind, he says, because you see at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. Here it is, verse 8. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, all messed up, discombobulated people, we didn't have it together. Christ died for our sins. This is the invitation of Romans, and we're going to just keep unpacking it. So let's go to a couple of slides. Here it is. the work of God is just, this is, this is just the big overview. These are some slides that Kurt created, and they're, they're really, really cool and really, really in, informative and helpful. Go back to the first one with me for just a second. Uh, see the personal, the personal aspect, communion with God, knowing God's voice. While I was doing work on this, we didn't have time to change it, but I have an idea we can talk about. So personal, communion with God, knowing God's voice, learning to hear his whisper, the communal part of life, sharing life, love of one another or loving one another. Can I, can I add another thought in there? Discerning God's voice together. Part of the community is we're not alone. We can discern God's voice together. And through personal Hearing and knowing God's voice, loving and sharing one another, discerning God's voice together, we experience the transformational life, the life of God that comes through me and flows through me to others. You're just going to see in the next slide what I've already said to you. This is life with God, life with others, and life on mission with God is in fact the discipleship pathway that we're pursuing. All three. Think of them as all engaged, all at one time, to greater or lesser degrees in your life. A a Venn diagram. A Venn diagram. Just those three things interacting. And don't think about the small overlap. Think about how generously these three places are overlapped. And there is a huge center of invitation that includes each of these. Life with God. Life with others, life on mission with God. So let's talk about how this life with God and life with others and being on mission with God um, expresses itself. And I'm going to follow each through each of these really quickly. So let me just say, an expression of our life with God is gratitude. Gratitude. Uh, reading from Romans 12:1, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, pause, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's mercy. If you just stay right there for a second, it'll change who God is. 
in your, in your thinking and in your being. In view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your true and proper worship. Do not, be, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Can you check the links in this chain? God is pursuing you with his mercy so that as you respond to his mercy and receive it and change your mind about him and the truth of his work within you, what happens is you get revelation. You get revelation. You begin to be relationally connected to God to pay attention to what pleases him to what pleases him this is how it works so our first engagement in our life with God is to lend ourselves to seeing that he is at work in view of his mercy offer your body as a living sacrifice this is your true worship don't conform to the pattern of this world but be renewed by your mind then you will then you will know then you will experience I love what Ben Witherington and Darlene Hyatt say about this appeal from Paul They say simply this, this appeal justifies the dictum that for Paul, if all theology is grace, mercy, grace, if all theology is grace, all ethics is a matter of gratitude. To the response of the grateful heart to God's merciful gift of salvation. A drop of God's mercy will change your heart forever. Hard hearts are softened when they understand the merciful invitation of God in Christ Jesus. What an incredible reframe this is for me. What an incredible reframe this is for us. Grace elicits a response from the receptive heart, and it is gratitude. It is gratitude. Life with God is this journey. An expression of that life with God is gratitude. I can tell you what happens in me as I receive the invitation of God with a grateful heart. Everything, even the hard things, are invitations that are filled with grace and mercy because there is a loving Father who's made known to us His great love in the person of Christ who has said of Himself, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father who invites us to be transformed in our living so that even when 
Jesus says the hard things that align us with the hard things that the Father says. There's this heart that says, yes, Lord, even though it hurts, I know it's for my good and for your glory. The second thing about this transition is not just uh, an expression of our life with God is gratitude, but an expression of our life with others is being available. Being available. Um, Here, there's another reminder that we are to be personally engaged in the life of our community. Last week, Kurt reminded us and invited us to use our God-given gifts in ministry. Uh, This is a really common theme in scriptures, and we see it again in Romans 12. Do not think of... um, uh, Wait, wait, wait. Hang on just a second. Uh, Let me... Let me get to, is there a Romans 12? Yeah. Okay, this will work. Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith of God that God has distributed to each of you. So in Christ, though many form one body and each member belongs to all the others, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. So, so Kurt last week introduced us to the notion that we're all gifted and that we should use those gifts in service in a gathered way. And so the serve teams that he was talking about today are all about what we do to welcome others into this wonderful community of grace. And so when I think about availability, I think about my gifting, but when I think about availability, I think there's also another way to think about it, and I think there's this opportunity for us to extend our thinking about availability beyond our gifting, right? Beyond our gifting. See, gifting is personal, right? Exercised in the community. But what if we think about the invitation, which is in the text, the invitation that informs how we engage in interpersonal relationships? Here it is. It's, it's right there. Verse 9, love must be sincere, hate what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in love, honor one another above yourselves, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, practice hospitality. We do that gathered and we do it scattered and when we do it scattered we're talking about something we call small groups. We're talking about the engagement that we call small groups. Uh, Let me talk to you about being available. Available. Available for your gift. But what about this kind of availability? This is a a, a testimony from RG. Uh, Thanks for sharing, RG. Here, Here it is. Small groups provide a great place to build relationships. Sometimes small is scary. It is for me. But when I decided to lean in just a little bit 
and take a risk and share even the smallest thing, it was life-giving to know someone would pray for me and follow up later on to see how things were going. I can tell you, I've heard that testimony in different words all kinds of times, over and over and over and over again. And so if we go back to Romans 12, 9 through um, verse 13, here's what's happening. We're being given a glimpse of what a flourishing life, a shared life with others looks like. The gifts given and received within the community of faith. We celebrate the work of God in us and through us by presence. Presence. Present to God. Present to one another. Think of this as the shared life. Connected in community. Available to share in one another's lives. As we live out our mandate. Emma, thank you so much for leading me right to this point. Blessed to be a blessing. God's gifts given to us empower us to fruitful availability, serving in our gifts and gathering as God's people. The result in this gift giving to others is to God's glory, our good, and through us, the good of others. It is a new and free way of living. Again, from Witherington and Hyatt. The reason we're able to celebrate life regardless of circumstances. Christ is sharing his own ineffable joy with us. We are participants in Emmanuel. God with us. Joy. The third and final thing this morning about expressing our life with God and others is an expression of our life on mission with God is simply being generous. Our life on mission with God has application within and beyond our gathered worship. I want to invite you to think about your everyday ordinary life as I read this text to you. Fully embracing the notion that you can be generous because of the great joy of Jesus granted you in a renewing of your life and your mind. You can be generous because God has been and is generous. Here it is. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. 
In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Man, the all-encompassing, wrapping up, final sentence. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. How often have you read scripture and found yourself responding to scripture internally or externally with the emphatic question, really? Right? I love it when it's not so emphatic. It's more like mysterious and invitational. Really? You see the difference? You read the text. Ooh, warm and fuzzy. Really? Oh. Okay, go back to the beginning. It is God's great mercy that invokes the really. It is also God's great mercy and love that allows us to live in response to our, really? you got to be kidding me. You can't mean that that's exactly what I'm supposed to do. Nobody in their right mind would ever live like this. Everybody will take advantage of you. Maybe. But don't be overcome. Here it is. Don't be overcome by evil. Overcome evil with good. Emma did such a great job preparing me for this sermon today. She just paved the way. Revelation, the great gathered group of those, the host of heaven, whose lives have been transformed, have all been transformed by the great mercy of God. Every tribe, every tongue, every nation, every people, all declaring his glorious goodness. Because you see, generosity is the work of God in us. And it is also the work of God through us for others. I close with this. What will it take for us to live well in this life with God? A life of, go back to my notes, I can't even remember. A life of uh, being available, a life of being generous, yeah, yeah, available, generous, and uh, living in gratitude. There it is. Glad I had my notes to dig through. Living life with gratitude, living life being available, living life being generous. What will it take? This is a quote from Dan Colburn. And I, I love because he positions it so well for us. What will it take? He's talking about the gifts God's given us, the abilities we have, the talents that we engage, all of these things that we do in response to the mercy of God. And he reminds us of the central theme of what we're called to. He says, humility does not consist in thinking these things are not but in knowing they are not enough. You get it? The practice of these things are not enough, simply. The practice of these things are not enough. Life 
humbles us by showing us immensity and thus that we are small. If to be humble were simply to be small, we would all be humble. If it's just about being small, there's a revelation that's going to come to you and you're going to realize you are small. But he leaves us with the prescription for a rightful understanding of what smallness is. Because if it's not simply about being small, we would just be humble. He says, humility lies not in being small. But in letting God be big. I invite you by the mercy of God. His greatness. I invite you by the mercy of God. To present yourself to him. Living and alive, fully engaged, so that he may live big through you. I think one of the ways we do that is for us to become available for our risking, stretching engagement. And so today, I, I want you to uh, think about um, what we're doing next week, which is we're launching small groups, right? And uh, maybe for a variety of reasons, you've mm, just not thought about joining or not participated yet. I hope RG's, hope RG's testimony sort of prompted you that there's some really good stuff that happens in small groups. So here's what I want, to, want you to do. If you've not yet signed up for a small group, you can do it today before you leave. If you have your smart device with you, if you have your smart device with you, you can use that QR code and you can go to our online uh, listing of groups that are available. Uh, the, list, the list that's available now will grow. I can tell you that because I know there are several other groups that are going to be added to that list this coming week. And so uh, there's 11 or 12 groups that are there and then uh, there are going to be some more added. So if you don't see one that is the right day, the right time, the right place, then um, just hang on, some more are coming, and then we'll be adding groups along the way uh, for the next several months. And let me just say, not just the next several months, every time we have a new leader ready to launch a new group, we're going to bring them to the, to the stage. We're going we're to bless them. And we're going to send them out. Uh, we're going to lay hands on them and, and encourage them, commission them to do that work. And so it's going to be exciting here at the Vineyard. So just sign up for a small group before you go today. And I want you to stand now. And um, if you're available to pray, go ahead and come.
Okay, all right, all right, thank you, Stephen. All right, just a quick reminder. Sometimes we resist the mercy of God because we feel as though somehow or another we're deserving of it. Or we feel somehow or another that we've done something so heinous, so grievous, that God is so angry, he can't get over it. Well, that wouldn't be, that wouldn't be accurate. Just read the book. There have been lots of people who've done really bad things. And God doesn't get over it. He gets through it. And his mercy, his mercy extends to us. And so if there's this resistance in your heart that somehow or another God's mercy isn't available to you because you've been excluded, um, Stephan would love to pray for you. If, if you just say, well, okay, I'll risk being prayed for today. Come and let him pray for you. And uh, if, if that's the case, then please come forward. If any other reason um, comes, I just want you to just um, hear me. Hear me with the love of Jesus This is Jesus, come to me. All of you who are laboring and you are burdened down with the troubles of life. You realize he doesn't delineate what the troubles of life happen to be. So he means all life's troubles. If you're burdened down with the weight of all of life's troubles, come to me and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, for my burden is easy and light. Whatever your trouble is today that would keep you from receiving the mercy of God, come because Jesus invites us to receive that great life. Don't leave without prayer if you want it. And uh, we bless you now as the people of God living in the mercy of God. The people of God living in the mercy of God. Wherever you go, whatever you do, Invite others to the mercy you have received. Generous God, kind and loving, let us be beacons of hope in a world of fear and isolation. A community of life that offers life to others. This I ask. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.